podcast, the Gaslit Woman's Guide to Surviving the Corporate World. Just two sisters having hard conversations. I'm Jennifer. I'm Lisa. Welcome. So lovely to have you on this, our 30th episode. Hooray. Oh, bingity bangity boom. Yes, Jenny. It's all those sounds. <laughs> it's good. What we want to talk about today is something that assholes are calling a she session, which is like well, a, a recession. But they're not even a recession for she's. Yeah, she session. She um, kind of like, kind of like Benifer or Brangelina. She session. Just like with anything that with women, it needs to have a cute. Needs to be cute. Girl boss. Mom yeah. boss. Hashtag girl mom boss. Mom life. Boss babe. Messy hair, don't care. Yeah. Messy yeah. bun, having fun. <laughs> is that what? Is that one of them? No, but I love it. It's so good. Thanks. Oh, I can make that t-shirt. <laughs> so, yeah. So, what's going on? So, I really wanted to talk about this because right around like, well, it was in December, right? That 140,000 jobs were lost and all of them were women. Is that the right statistic? Yeah, I mean, there's other there's other bits that go into it. So, it wasn't just Totally. Like, yeah. But but we were but during that time, we were talking about how so many women were being let go from the workforce, but also were choosing to leave because well, it's not they really choice. had no choice. Yeah. But also being forced to leave because of the lack of infrastructure. Child care is infrastructure. Child care, any any type of unpaid care of labor um, that was happening during the pandemic. And so now in the United States, at least we're seeing, I'm not sure if this sentiment is echoed across the pond, but right now we're seeing a lot of articles where it's like, well, workers just don't want to return to work. They're too good for it. They're, they're making so much money on unemployment. They were given so much money on pandemic aid that now they don't want to go back to work. But here's the thing. These women had to leave their jobs and the majority of of the minimum wage to lower paid unskilled labor i'm total finger quotation marks on unskilled labor because what really is unskilled labor because to be honest like most of those unskilled labor jobs are actually really fucking hard yep anyway so my opinion with no facts and statistics because i didn't even know where to start to look up this stuff was that really what we're seeing is not is not like the lazy stoner on the couch not wanting to go back to like slinging burgers. Yeah. Not which, that that's even a real thing, yeah, but no. that's like the Republican view of things, right? Yeah. But in actuality, it's women who are unable to return to work because there's no place to stick the kids because a lot of kids didn't go back to school. Childcare costs so much money. Yeah. Um, and if they haven't worked this year, then there's no money to send them to camp. There's no money to send them to daycare. There's no money to stick the kids anywhere. So no one's touching this story, but it's like, how can that be like the trending topic late winter, early spring? But then all of a sudden now that we're seeing the fruit of that, it's just this selective amnesia or like no one made the connection. Like what, what the hell? And and now there are four uh, Republican led states that are removing the extra $300 from that unemployment to like force people back into the workforce. Mm. But All that's going to do is punish people that are already struggling. And in a lot of places, the rent moratorium is lifting as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is all this is all very much United States statistics. But these are the things I'm seeing happen. And I'm just flummoxed as to why no one's making this connection. And then also like real worried for what comes next. Okay, so you spoke to me about what you were seeing over there. I I don't know that there's as many articles pointing to people not wanting to go back to work only because in the UK and in Europe, there are certain 
standards of living that people are supposed to be sort of adhering to. So that really gritty American idea of paying your workers literally nothing and yeah. then expecting them to subsidize their nothing pay with tips. Or aid, yeah. Um, but I think that's a Republican talking point. Well, right I think now. I think that there's always on the conservative side, whether that's Republican or whether that's just right-wing conservative um, factions, there is a really damaging trope. It's not the same in Europe as it was in America, but there was that idea, that false narrative about the welfare queen, mm-hmm. about yes. black women sitting at home and collecting government assistance and not working. Now, we know that that's not true. We've spoken about that on this podcast before. But there is a pervasive false trope of people choosing to sit at home and not make money. Yep. When we talk about raising minimum wages and things like that, most people think it's teenagers, but it's normally not. It's people who are lead single family um, households. It isn't just teenagers trying to make a little bit of extra money. It's people really trying to make their lives work. And when you mentioned what you were seeing in the United States, I had a little look and amazingly Deloitte conducted a survey of 5,000 women across 10 countries between November 2020 and March 2021. And what they found really backs up what we're seeing. In total, globally, 114 million jobs were lost in 2020. The employment losses for men were at 3.9% and employment losses for women were at 5%. So Mm. even though those numbers sound quite small, it's important to remember this is a global picture of how things look. So that job loss for women alone is just under 6 million women having lost their jobs across... Jesus. Yeah, across the world. And what this study also found was that we know that it wasn't equal before the pandemic. Things were definitely getting better for some, but not for all. And things were Mm -hmm. still not equal. Like personal and professional workloads were not equal um, for men and women. But Mm -hmm. what was found was that women were assuming additional responsibilities. Surprise! Household stuff, childcare stuff, and other unpaid care duties while continuing to work in a very stressful environment. So 70% of the women in this study said that their job workload had increased due to the pandemic. Because women always, when people are fired, women are always the ones that are asked to take on the job. Because women will. Yeah. In my professional experience, like when 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 workers have disappeared, because I worked for a lot of companies that like Goldman was slowly killing and it was always high performing women that ended up taking on the, or not even, not even like people that were acknowledged as high performing took on additional roles and women did it without complaint out of fear of losing their jobs, but also just out of a sense of loyalty. I agree with that. I also agree that it is typical that women's jobs are the first to be cut. Yep. Um, yeah. Is it because they're like, are more typically in admin and support roles? No, and those, those are, are quite, seen Those as... are quite important job roles, actually. So, I mean, you I mean, I would assume so, yeah. But for whatever reason, they're the ones that, that tend to get cut first. So yeah. is it disproportionately women of color as well? Well, we're going to get into other stats. Black like women and women of color. Okay, I just Great. I just want to say a couple things, and then I will stop talking, and then you can talk. Okay, okay. I'm going to stop talking now. Okay, so 77% of women say their job workload has increased due to the pandemic. 66% say that they hold the greatest responsibility for household tasks. And 79% of those who have unpaid care duties, other than child care, so caring for an elderly relative or something along those lines, they also hold the greatest responsibility for household tasks. Right, so only 22% of women believe that their employers allowed them to establish 
clear boundaries between work and personal hours. That is despicable. That's the same thing that I just was talking about last week. It's the same thing that no one hundred percent step away. You know, it's happening everywhere. It's everywhere. It's so. But I need people like I need people to hear that twenty two percent, which means. 78% 78% of women Good do not have clear boundaries with work. Yes. I think they're saying that their employers were not enabling them to have that. In a lot of these statistics, there's a lot of fear of career impact and mm-hmm. career prospect. And we've got a couple of things that are really disturbing about harassment, microaggressions, things like that, that I just yeah. have to go over. And a lot of that has tied to it rejoiners that say these things were not talked about as being reported because people were worried about their jobs. So you've, of course. Got, you've got women who are really, really struggling to make a balance happen between their personal and their professional work life and what that balance is going to look like. If they have children, they're juggling unpaid care work, or even if they look after a an elderly relative or someone in their family that needs extra care. And the biggest fear that they have is that they're going to lose their jobs because everything feels so uncertain. And so, I think as women, we're always afraid that we're doing the wrong thing, that we're going to get, we all have yeah. like this crazy imposter syndrome. Yeah. Even when I, sorry, anecdote real quick, but like when I reported my boss for sexual harassment, there were a couple other women who had spoken to me about how they felt harassed by him too. And so I told HR their names saying like, these people are experiencing it too. And I felt like, okay, now I'm empowering them to speak. And one of them was happy about it and excited to speak about it. But the other one, it ended our friendship because she said, you threw me under the bus. And she's like, I'm going to lose my job now. It was mind boggling to me that that would be the response. But I get it. If you're not ready Now that I've thought about about it, yes. You're not ready. Totally. A lot of people's lives really hinge on the money that comes in each month. I mean, I know there's this amazing fantasy of having lots of money stashed away in the bank and how everyone who's responsible, a responsible adult should have some unknown amount of money stashed in. And and that's fantastic if people can have that. But we've spoken about that several times about how it's almost like the myth of meritocracy. If you have really struggled with debt, if you have really struggled with low income for a long time, then you get stuck in the cyclical experience of poverty or just low income. You can call it whatever you want. But once you get in stuck in that cycle, anything that happens to you drags you right back into it again, no matter how hard you work to save, to not buy avocado toast, to not like have mm. any sort of joyful things in your life, like maybe a coffee once a week or something like that, you get really stuck in there and that idea that you should as a well-functioning adult have some kind of amount of thousands of pounds dollars whatever tucked away for a rainy day that's quite a privilege to have that to Mm -hmm. pull yourself up out of a debt cycle out of a low income cycle out of a poverty cycle well and a lot of people get sucked into that poverty cycle by through no fault of their own just let's say you need a paycheck like a paycheck advance those those all the predatory lending practices, they, you know, they give credit cards to college kids that yeah. don't know any better. Yeah. And like, unless you have an education about like financial health, a lot of people get sucked into it without even realizing. And then it's hard to get out. I mean, you and I were saddled with tens of thousands of tax debt by our own father. Yeah. And that was a big hole to pull ourselves out of. So you and I were both kind of in that cyclical debt spiral because 
So, I mean, even we talk about predatory lending and this is a bit off mm-hmm. piece, but even just the college Sorry. loan system is, mm-hmm. is extremely predatory. Yeah. I mean, I remember David totally. Smiris always talked about how Sally Mae sounded like a, a redneck girl running in cut off shorts with a freckled face and two braids on either side of her head running barefoot through the grass. But Sally Mae is absolutely no joke that is a proper predatory lending establishment yeah. and it's um, yeah. and it's got debt collectors that will have you paying off exorbitant interest fees on this idea of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get yourself a great education and the world will be your yep. oyster and it absolutely will not be if you get stuck in this cycle and it only takes yeah. one week of sickness or i mean especially in the united states where there isn't a nationally funded um health services mm-hmm is it only takes a little bit of sickness. It only takes an accident. It only takes a burst tire. It only takes, you know, something to happen with your transportation or something to happen in your family. It only takes one instance to pull you right back into that cycle again. And I know I've, I've gone a bit on on that one, but I feel really strongly that that very much like that welfare queen trope, like all of those tropes that you get bandied about by people who really should know better and they want to turn people against each other. Each other. Mm -hmm. um, In order to say, I'm working my ass off and I'm just barely making it work. And it's because of you that it's not working. And it really isn't Mm -hmm. because of the people around you. It's because of the Mm -hmm. people running corporations and making 345% more each year than they were the year before, whereas the standard rate of pay hasn't gone up at all. And and you get those same people who are making just, just... adding billions upon billions and and they're deploring having to pay $15 an hour, which is barely a livable wage in most of the nation's biggest cities. Right. Um, And yet somehow it's supposed to be like a, like a handout. Anyway, I digress. Right. So 51% of the women that were interviewed uh, felt less optimistic about their career prospects than they did before the pandemic. And 29% of the women said their career wasn't progressing as fast as they'd like. And they said that poor mental health was one of the main reasons for that. So that's interesting. Okay. Is that them blaming themselves for their lack of career progression? I think potentially they're probably saying they don't feel like they can commit as hard to their job as they would like to because they don't Mm. feel great in themselves. And I think that that's a pretty universal feeling on this other side of what has been a super hellish mad year. When we're talking about women on average, 23% of women on average that were surveyed are thinking of leaving the of the workforce. When you're speaking to women of color that were surveyed, it was 26%. Hmm. Because of course, the research that we've done for the book that we're writing or have written and are now editing in the United States, black women are the majority providers. They are the main breadwinners. So if you are then also experiencing, consistently experiencing non-inclusive behavior, having to deal with racist microaggressions, harassment of any kind, having their communication style question, having their judgment questioned, why would you stay in that job? And we know on average, 57% of the women that were surveyed, they plan to leave their current job in the next two years. No women are having it good right now, but there are huge swathes of women in the workforce who are really fucking struggling, really, Mm. really struggling. I just think this report has so much in it that is amazing and informative It's the Mm -hmm. Deloitte Women at Work, um, a global outlook report. It's a link on our bio, um, on our Insta page. I know that this isn't everyone's cup of tea to look at reports like this, 
but I have to say that it is pretty eye-opening and it's a mm. great it's a great way to start the conversation on what the hell is going on with women in the workplace because the issue yeah. that we're kind of come up against very very soon and that we are coming up against very very soon is we are going to move back completely if we're not careful to a workplace that is no matter what industry is completely dominated by men. That is yeah. not good. If you have a non-diverse workplace, that's mm-hmm. not good for creativity. That's not good for profitability. We know that these that you need this diversity. You don't just need men and women in the workplace. You need men and women from all communities and all backgrounds in the workplace because that is what future-proofs your company. Right. Well, right now we're just seeing like the lack of unskilled labor returning to work, and those are majority. Those jobs are majority held by women. So, and they're not yeah. able to return to work. I ha- I really hate that. I know you hate it too, but I really hate that phrase, unskilled. Because all all j- no, don't apologize. I'm just like all jobs require skill. All jobs yes. require training. I mean, Jenny, when you worked at a certain company, you had to work on the floor of a certain mm-hmm. fast food place. Because mm-hmm. everybody in the company, whether they were a director or flipping burgers, had to Or the CEO, to- yeah had to work on the floor for what was it, mm-hmm. six weeks or something? Mm-hmm. I met some of the sweetest, most hardworking women I've ever met in my life. And they were all busting their ass. And you know what? Those weren't high school kids. No. That's what the conservative talking points are, that, they, that these minimum wage jobs are for high school kids while well, they figure it out. Nope. But that's not true. I mean, I posted the infographic before about like what the actual percentages of what the actual landscape of minimum wage workers is. And the majority of them are like, what, mid-30s single moms? Yeah. These people are not too good to work. They're just trying to feed their families. Yeah. And it's a hard-ass job. And it is a thankless job. Because you know what? Lots of people treat those people like absolute shit. That tells mm-hmm. you a lot about someone when they treat people in the yeah. service industry badly. Yeah. First, it means you've never had to work in the service industry because the people who have worked in the service industry treat other people in the service industry with a lot of kindness and grace because they've all been there. We've all been there. We've worked in the service industry and we know how hard it is. So anyway, mm-hmm. that being said, I think the thing that I really wanted to have come across in just dipping our toe into this is this is not a she session. This is not a recession of women. This is, without trying to sound melodramatic, this is an attack on women in the workplace. This is mm-hmm. an attack on women being present in the corporate environment. Women mm-hmm. were the first ones to be fired when yeah. people, when redundancies had to be made, when furlough had to be made. I think I've already told the story about how my flippin' amazing friend, who is so good at her job, got put on furlough in lieu of another person, a man, because he had a family and she didn't. Never mm-hmm. mind the fact that she had a pending citizenship case that mm-hmm. had been going on for five years. Like, she got mm-hmm. put on furlough in the June or July and and her decision was being made in August and they did not care about that because she didn't have a family she was less important than him even though if I'm being honest she's way better than him at his job but I wonder Um, how many choices they made of letting go of other women who had a family over men that didn't have a family like how many times did the how many times did they not give a shit about the family Oh, yeah. I mean, when it was flip flopped. Absolutely. And I think it's, you can be very picky and choosy. Like, oh, well, she's, she's got a partner. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter. I know she's got a family, but she's got a partner to support her. Well, you don't know what the situation is for them. You don't Mm -hmm. know if, if she's the main breadwinner. 
Because that Mm -hmm. is the case a lot of the time. I know that people don't want to believe it, but when you look at the statistics in the US and the UK, women are the breadwinners a lot of the time now. And yet we still treat women as their careers are ancillary, they're satellites to their partners. If they are in a cishet relationship and their Mm -hmm. partner is a man, their career prospects are the ones that get put on hold. They're the ones that pick up from school if they have children and the child is sick or had an issue or whatever. We as women are always the ones ones that are asked to give up our dreams before anyone else, right? Yeah. And we are always in the position of serving others and taking care of others. And it is very, very rare that we are served, that we are taken care of. We have like the mind fuck of like choosing between our work and our kids because society tells us that we are supposed to be the ones that are home. Men are the ones that are supposed to be working. So if you try to flip that paradigm on its head at all, then you have to deal with the guilt of it and the judgment of it, along with all of these other things, the harassment, the head on head, the... Well, look, I mean, just... Discrimination, the less pay, all of the things. On the harassment thing, on the microaggression thing, like in that survey, more than 60% of the women surveyed had experienced derogatory comments or jokes in some way or just been generally disrespected, right? But less than half of them said that they'd reported it because they're used to having their judgment questioned. They're used to having comments about how they communicate, about how they present themselves. And they're also used to being around this fear, this insidious, pervasive fear Mm. that there would be a real career penalty for it. So you get this idea of it wasn't serious enough to report. Mm -hmm. And like, if I do report, I won't be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I reported and I got, I got pushed out. So, I mean, that's the reality of the situation. And and that is real. That is real. People report things and they get fired. They get let go. Their reputation is completely tarnished and that's just how it is and you know then there's the whole like well she's just being too sensitive it's a compliment it's a joke whatever like all of the gaslighting and also i wanted to say like this is interesting like it's an interesting thing i mean because what you said last week about by fighting to keep my job by fighting for equality am i it's just like a foregone conclusion am i just like in a losing battle that can apply here like what's the point of even reporting harassment i think in the study it said yeah only 31 percent of the women that they surveyed even knew that their company had a process for reporting discrimination and yeah. harassment. Mm-hmm. 31%. Every company's yeah. meant to have that. You know, right. I think there is a really big disconnect between what is okay to say and what isn't okay. Because as women, mm. we get, we're sexual targets from a very young age, most of us, right? Yeah. In in just our personal existence. And then when we get in the workplace, we are targets for harassment, microaggressions, and then other things, which I really like this way of framing it, which is non-inclusive behavior. Uh, and yeah. some great examples of non-inclusive behavior, which I would never have picked up. I'm not not picked up on, but it's the kind of things you feel, but you don't talk about because right. you feel crazy. So like being addressed in an unprofessional or disrespectful way, having your judgment questioned being Mm -hmm. given less opportunity to progress your career, being given less opportunities to speak up in meetings, like being talked over, not being given time. You know, like someone will know that you're a specialist on something, but not be like, oh, well, I think Michelle knows more about this. Let's get the floor to Michelle. Mm -hmm. You know, comments about how you communicate. Being Mm -hmm. given, and this one's quite interesting, being given less one-on-one time with your line manager, like not being checked up on. 
Yeah. I had one of my line managers was there for over a year and he never had a one-on-one with me, but I knew he was doing it with all the guys. And I would never call that non-inclusive behavior, but I knew that it wasn't right that it was happening. There's also things like being belittled by senior colleagues, comments about your physical appearance, comments about your caregiving status, and also being excluded socially. Like those are all mm-hmm. really great examples of behaviors that I think most women will have experienced at right. some and time. And they innocuous at the time and it's easy to blame yourself for all that stuff. Or think that you're just being crazy thinking those things. That's the important one for me because that is the first thing that comes up for me when I feel Mm. like I'm being melodramatic about it. It isn't that big of a deal. Mm. And I think the more that you get in that pattern of Of doubting yourself. Of doubting yourself, but also of existing in environments where non-inclusive behavior is the norm. Mm -hmm. You believe that that's normal. And I have to say a lot of this all of this non-inclusive behavior really does stem from obviously systemic races, but also the patriarchy. 100%. So And capitalist, capitalist exclusion of women. Yes. So my question is, are we just seeing a rise of the patriarchy? I think that what we're seeing is that women are really fucking badass and they're used to making it work. And when the rug got pulled out for every, from everyone and the infrastructure that we knew was lacking disappeared, yeah. there was no way for people to just make it work anymore. So women had to leave the workforce. And yes, it's just the patriarchy and like the capitalist exclusion of women rearing its ugly head and becoming stronger because capitalism actually had a good year. Yeah. During the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, rich just got richer. The patriarchy just got stronger. But well, women it has. who were fighting for equality, who were fighting to just have a foothold, the bottom slipped out and we couldn't do it anymore. But and here's the thing. If you and look, having children is not the end all be all. To be honest, I love my son. But if I could give and I do re- frequently give this advice, don't have children like mm. Don't do it. Because Mm -hmm. if you've already spent half of your life or a quarter of your life or however old you are, not knowing how to properly care for yourself as a woman, which many women don't know how to do in a a patriarchal society that tells you that you need to be in line with what the male gaze dictates, right? So you need to be Mm -hmm. starving and the Madonna whore thing. There's so many different elements to it that goes into what makes you an acceptable woman. Having a child is then a really tenuous balance between feeding your your soul and your passions and nurturing them. Mm -hmm. And you get an additional societal layer of pressure that says everything you have is for them now. Most men don't have that layer put on them. I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. single dads, we can take, we can take any kind of niche experience and and talk about that but that's not what this podcast that's not what this is about what what this is about is about the pressures on women women who work and mothers who work outside of the home as well as inside of the home because we've said it before Mm -hmm. all mothers work 24 hours a day seven days a week that's your job and Mm -hmm. then you try and chivy in a little bit of paid work of career progression of something that elevates you and makes you feel purposeful you know, like what a man has, what a man is allowed to have. Yeah. So all that to say, I've really lost my train of thought, but it was just to say. Don't have kids. Oh, I said don't have kids. Like clearly. Uh (laughs) I made that really obvious. No, and I get what you're saying. Like I love my children, but I do often think fondly of the time before them of being able to work as many hours as I wanted and not have that added responsibility of that. And this past year or so really showed us that there is no infrastructure. And the reason that women can't have it all is because 
the patriarchal structure doesn't allow for it. And we saw how severely lacking the infrastructure was, even though we as women had fought and clawed our way to a point where we were kind of on equal footing. No, it was getting theoretically. Better. It was getting better, but it wasn't you. We're never equal. Yes. We, you but we had started to we had started to see numbers and diversity and inclusion and we had started to see like the statistics of more women with more responsibility in higher ranking and higher paid jobs. I agree with that. But all I can think, and I have to just keep coming back to this, is that as long Mm -hmm. as there are any women out there, any communities of women that are making 53 cents for a man's dollar, we're not anywhere near equal. Okay, you're completely right because the statistics that we had been seeing were for white women. Yep. So that's a big fail on my part and I am. Please keep this in. Don't edit it out because that's, listen, that's me. That's my privilege talking. My privilege says we had made major strides, Mm. but that's because I'm white and I have that privilege and black women and women of color. That's indigenous women. Yeah, you're right. I just, I think because I've been looking at the statistics so much while I'm working on the book stuff. And I know I've said it as well, like, because we've said it, we made this massive loss this last year. And yeah, white women were at 81 cents, but indigenous women are at 53 and I black women 64 cents for the, for a man's dollar. And I just, I can't, I can't forget it now, you know? No, and, and, and we shouldn't forget it because we need to talk about it. We're vilifying marginalized groups and saying that they're, that the problem is with them when the problem does not lie with them. The, the problem is the, the patriarchal foundational situation. Yeah. The patriarchy affects everyone negatively yeah. that is in a marginalized group. And, you know, even, it even affects men negatively. Yes, that's why men and boys are experiencing these incredibly high levels of suicide. You know, I think that that's going to continue on as... It's the number one and killer boys, for men under the age of 45 across the world. And it's not because men are under attack by feminists. Mm. It's because a patriarchal structure fails everyone. Capitalism fails everyone. The elite sector is the problem. And it is not women fighting for equality. And, and feminist and womanist ideals, it's not about putting men in the back seat. It's about achieving equality for everyone. So everyone is on a level playing field. Just because I start making a dollar to your dollar, John, doesn't mean that your dollar is worthless. It just means I'm getting paid for doing the same work that you're doing. So there's and the wage gap is real. Yeah, it is. It is real. I love when people loop us in on TikTok to videos of people talking about how the wage gap isn't real. I've just stopped even looking at the links and blocking the people Mm, because it's just the most annoying thing. But yeah. One thing you're talking about there is something that I think we'll talk about on another episode, which is gender contamination, which is where a man takes on things that are viewed as feminine or womanly. It stains him, right? It contaminates him. Or a woman touching a thing that is technically a man's thing. Debases it. Yeah, debases it. So there were... I think a handful of tribes in prehistory that actually had totems and things like that, which a woman was not allowed to touch because she debased those things and the power of those things with her touch. Uh-huh. But I mean, that's a right. that's a very patriarchal idea, uh-huh. and it's a very interesting idea as well. I try not to read. Well, too I think that'd be an interest makes me yeah. curious. That's a perfect thing to talk about during Pride Month. Yeah. So, to any of our listeners who are celebrating Pride, we. Happy- stay- 
Pride. with you. We support you. Yeah. Happy Pride. Mm. And we are here here if, if it's a hard month for you because the trolls really are coming out in full force. Yeah. So gender contamination, obviously, that, that definitely has some ties in with Pride, which are interesting to talk about and interesting just to just to have the discussion about. So when you see this phrase, this adroit little phrase that's being bandied about of she session, just know that that is the very callous and a very patriarchal way of looking at women being forcibly removed or having forcibly having the legs cut out from underneath them in the workplace. It's bullshit. And it's fucking dismissive as hell. Yeah. It's not a she session. It's a, what were we calling it, Jen? It was a she. It was a shapocalypse. Mm-hmm. I think he called yeah. it bullshit, <laughs> um, which was really good too. So find that really interesting. The report, if you don't love to read a report, you can also go on there and just get the highlights too. As I said, the link is in our Insta bio. There are so many reports out there, but this is one that is global in the sense that they've gone to several different countries of so 10 different countries. It's a fairly large section of surveyed women. They have done, I mean, I'm not going to say they've done a good job, but they have targeted being as inclusive and as intersectional as possible, which is at least they're friggin' trying finally. So Mm. many, so many statistics, so many reports that I come across when I'm trying to break down information about how women are surviving in the workplace are so singular. There is not Mm. very many lenses applied. So you don't get a racial ethnic sexual orientation gender identity you don't get those lenses Mm -hmm. and that information is so important to have so if you've got the time to read it it's fantastic for the information and have a look if you're feeling tempted yeah so as always follow us on facebook and instagram that's dear patriarchy pod patriarchy pod at gmail.com if you want to send us a note please rate and subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts if you that's how you listen we're obviously available on all podcasting platforms, which you're already listening. So well done, you. Congratulations. Um, You found us. You did it. Share us. Also, we are going to be moving the podcast to a Wednesday release. In essence, it makes it easier for us to be consistent while we're working on finishing the book. So hopefully that works for you. If not, you can always download it and listen to it another time. That's what makes podcasts so freaking great. That's the beauty. Yeah, that's the beauty of podcasts. You can do whatever you want. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess the only thing left to say is love, light. Good night. (laughs) And good night.